You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are excited that you are joining us for another episode. Um, we want to to welcome you on in. I uh, hope that you will stay a while and listen to what we have to say. If you are a first-time listener, we would encourage you to stay and and to uh, listen. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, we would ask you to subscribe to our episodes. Um, on this podcast, we uh, dive into Scripture. We study the Bible. We study God's Word. And we try to provide that um, in a clear, concise manner to all of our audience so that they, too, can know what the Word of God is saying and how it applies to our lives on a daily basis. And so uh, for those of you who have been listening for quite some time. We want to thank you, as we always do, for your support and ask you to continue to support um, the Bonfire Ministries. And the best way that you can do that is to share this information with someone that you know. And you can do that multiple ways. You can just be word of mouth. Uh, tell them, say, hey, I've, I found a great podcast uh, that I like to listen to and, and tell them how they can get to it. Um, or if you're tech savvy, if you want to get on our Facebook page, you can go on there and you can actually share the episode or you can share the page with your friends. Um, you can hit those like buttons that gives us more visibility out there and uh, computer land. And so we just ask that you would do that so that we can get this word further uh, than it is right now. Um, again, please join us on Facebook. That's a great place to connect with us. Uh, you can get on there and make comments um, regarding the episodes. And we do uh, try to read all of those comments and all those feedbacks. And then, um, of course, we would love to hear from you. If you'd like to send us an email, uh, you can do that um, also by sending that to bonefireministries at gmail.com. And we would love to give a shout out to um, some of our listeners uh, from those uh, letters that we receive. And so, um, again, welcome into the Bonefire Podcast, Dad. We want to uh, keep on announcing that we've got the Holston Creek uh, Cross Country 5K coming up. That's right. Um, that's just a few <laughs> weeks away. It's going to be held on March 27th at 9 a.m., and that's going to be at the Holston Creek Park in Emmons, South Carolina. Uh, the registration for this is $25, and with each registration, uh, you'll get, of course, your race entry fee. Uh, you'll also receive a pair of race socks um, as well with your registration. Um, again, 5K event. This is for all levels of, uh, of runners, walkers, and crawlers, um, so a family event to come out. And the great thing about this race is the way that it ends. Um, at the very end of the race, we have two-by-fours that you'll be able to place across your back, and that is uh, to remind you of, of Jesus carrying his cross. And you'll carry that for about the last quarter mile of that race. And then as you get to the very finish line, we have a place where you can write on those boards. It can be a special message. It can be your favorite verse. It could be something inspirational. Um, it could be just some worry that you have. And then you're able to lay that down um, there um, at the end of that race. And so it's a really cool way to, to end um, a race. So we'd encourage you to come out. Uh, we're going to be sponsoring the event this year. And so we'll be there on site. I would love to, to talk to you and to uh, introduce ourselves if we haven't had a chance to, uh, to get to know you. Uh, so come on out. We'll have some free giveaways and things like that that we'll be passing out. And uh, you, if you want to know more information, you can find that by going to our Facebook page. All of this information is there. You can also go to uh, the registration website, www.holstoncreekbaptist.com slash run. Again, www.holstoncreekbaptist.com slash run. We hope to see you there. Well, Dad, uh, we are going to jump back into our study of the end-time events, and we've been in this study now for several weeks, um, I guess going back to uh, the first part of the year. Here, That's so. right. Mm -hmm. And we've got probably um, at least uh, one or two more episodes that we're going to be going through. And uh, if you're, again, new to our podcast, this series is, is entitled Coming King, the Lion of Judah. 
And our focus has been, again, on those end time events, looking at what's going to happen as we get to the end of age and how all the pieces are going to fall in, into line, um, setting the stage for the return of Christ and ultimately uh, what's going to happen when, when he comes back. Um, and so we're going to be continuing in that today. Now, when we met last week, uh, last week's episode, we were covering the Battle of Armageddon and the Return of Christ. And we talked about how the Battle of Armageddon really is better deemed the War of Armageddon because it had multiple uh, kind of pieces uh, to it that were going to be occurring. And then ultimately, uh, Jesus Christ splits the sky wide open and is victorious um, in that final battle. And so if you haven't had a chance to to listen to that episode, I would encourage you to go back and do that because really what we're going to be discussing today is kind of a continuation. All of this kind of flows on top of each other. Um, And so go back and check that episode out. We'd love to have you to listen to that. um, And then that will get you up to speed with where we are today. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be looking um, again at the next sequence of events that occurs. And and the Bible teaches us that when Christ returns um, to this world, he's going to establish his kingdom and he will reign for a period of 1,000 years. Years Now, this 1,000-year reign is commonly referred to as the millennial reign of Christ. And this will be a time of great peace and prosperity on earth. Now, Dad, this is probably, uh, we've talked about a, a lot of amazing things in the series, but the millennial reign of Christ is, is one of the most fascinating um, aspects of the, the end time events to me. I just, I, it just, uh, I read it and I read it again and I'm like, wow, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be amazing. Right. Um, and then we still have a lot of questions that we don't have answered in the Bible right. about what it's going to be like. So it leaves you kind of wanting to know more. But, um, you know, it's going to be great because Christ is going to be on the earth. He's going to be reigning and ruling as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as we're going to get into in a little bit uh, in just a moment on the podcast, we are going to be reigning with him. And by we, that's going to be those who are believers, those who have been raptured and those who were the tribulation saints that were, uh, were, were in heaven and that returned with Christ. We are going to be reigning with Christ. And that's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt, one thing about the millennial reign, some people will say, well, I don't read uh, hardly anything about the millennial reign of Jesus in the New Testament, well, you know, God has got two books, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament is filled with scriptures yeah. pertaining to the millennial reign of Christ, uh, the Messiah at that point in time that was looked forward to, what he would do, what the what the Jews were expecting Jesus to do when he came the first time, he is going to do when he comes the second time. And you see, they missed it about this thing about Jesus dying on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, you know, being the ultimate sacrifice, they miss that. And so we will get the weight of our topic today answered uh, in regard to the millennium from the Old Testament. That's right. That's right. Well, you'll find more written there. There is a section in Revelation that we'll be going through today, but you'll find a lot of the detail, of the about, detail. about what's happening in the Old Testament, which is amazing because that's writing, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago. Um, and, and they just continue to, to become true uh, one right after the other. That's right. You know, Dad, and, and I'm going to, I wasn't sure if I was going to cover this, but I feel like we probably need to. And so there are multiple views on millennial, uh, mm-hmm. on the millennial reign. There's typically three camps. And, and I mean, you're seminary trained, so you probably know this a lot better than me. So I'm going to try and put it in layman language. Um, and so there is the uh, post-millennial view. 
A post-millennial view is that Jesus Christ um, comes at the end of the millennial reign, which obviously that's not the viewpoint that we're holding to because we've we've talked about that. And if if you've been following along in in the podcast, you will see how the sequence of events that we laid out, it just doesn't seem to be that there can be a a post-millennial reign. And that was very popular uh, probably uh, four or five hundred years ago, um, that belief that we could, you know, get to a point where society became this good, great place that's talked about in the millennial, and then Jesus would come back. Obviously, (laughs) that's not going to happen. Sinful man can't can't have that happen. And so uh, that's one viewpoint. This next viewpoint is an an amillennial or amillennial uh, point of view, which believes that Hey, this is just uh, there is no thousand years, or that it's 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 all symbolism, um, and um, in that point of view, they they uh, tr- try to just say that you know it's it's not exactly a thousand years, or it's it's not going to be um, a real rule on earth. They just don't believe that altogether, and uh, we can poke holes in that theory altogether. And so the view that we hold is a premillennial view. Right. Hey, and, I want I want to tell you something about the amillennial. I heard a preacher imply one day that he was so much against this notion uh, called amillennialism that when he went to the doctor and the doctor said, open up his mouth, he hesitated to say, ah. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. And so uh, we're presenting a a premillennial viewpoint, which is the prevalent viewpoint of today. But I did want to put that out there just in case um, you hear something different. You know, Dad, I've, I've heard from a couple listeners that um, that they have heard different things coming from people that they know or people that they listen to. And so I just want to explain kind of the viewpoint that we're right. presenting here. Uh, same thing that we talked about with you know, the rapture. We believe in a, in a rapture, a two-part coming of Christ where the church is taken out, um, and then a second coming where um, he is visible. Uh, this, too, is a kind of another thing where there's a couple different camps, but we're presenting this uh, premillennial viewpoint here. Well, you see, one thing about the amillennialist, they believe that the church is going to so change society uh, that that society will begin to fulfill the scriptures yep. that are given over in the Old Testament, plentiful scriptures about the millennial reign. And do we see that happening today? No, it's absolutely not. Not going to happen. happen. Yeah, exactly. And so we, we're again presenting this premillennial uh, position here, and that's what will be the basis of our conversation today. And so just wanted to put that out there for everyone. Now. Um, Dad, I think probably it's best for us to just kind of jump into Scripture here, and we're going to look to see what the Bible has to say about this amazing point in time. Mm -hmm. And for this episode, we're going to be starting our discussion um, in Revelation, Mm -hmm. and we'll be in Revelation chapter 20. And then, as we said, that there's a lot of the Scripture that uh, refers to this period is going to be in the Old Testament. So we're going to be bouncing around just a little bit. But um, let's take a look at Revelation chapter 20. Now, um, we're going to be talking about the millennial reign. Now, to bring us in from what we talked about last week on the last episode, uh, you'll recall that um, the false prophet and the Antichrist were captured in the Battle of Armageddon, and they were cast into the Lake of Fire. Okay, mm-hmm. And so the Lake of Fire being the final uh, destination, final judgment place, the final hell, if you will, um, is where they went. Now, recall, there is a third person in that unholy trinity that we've talked about, and that's Satan himself. And so in order for there to be a millennial reign, a millennial kingdom, where uh, we're going to talk about just this utopia exists, Satan has to be dealt with. And so what we're going to look at first is the removal of Satan. And so we're going to pick up at, uh, chapter 20, verse 1. One, and let's read there and see uh, what happens with the removal 
of Satan. So it says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit, and he shut him up, and he sealed it on him, so that he should not deceive the nations no more till a thousand years was finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Mm. Now, Dad, in these verses, we see that Satan, who's the ruler of this world, his reign's going to end. That's right. Right? That's right. And it says that an angel, a great angel, will come with a great chain and, and will bind him and cast him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. That is to say that he's going to be cast into the bottomless pit for the time of the millennial reign, that thousand-year period that we're going to be discussing uh, today. And uh, notice that he is cast into the bottomless pit. Now, this is not the same as the lake of fire, uh, which is the final hell. So the bottomless pit is kind of like a, uh, Dad, the the best thing I can come up with is it was like a prison or a jail in which the evil spirits um, are are confined and they're waiting final judgment. And so Satan himself will be placed there. And we believe there's a host of other demons that are there in the bottomless pit waiting final judgment. That's right. Well, even though the Bible doesn't spell this out, or I couldn't find it anywhere, uh, something's going to happen. have to happen with the demons. I mean, there, there have been millions of demons that's going to be released and going to be working hard, you know, to bring about destruction during the tribulational period. And so uh, most likely that when Satan is placed into this bottomless pit, also the demons will be placed into the bottomless pit with him. Because after all, the bottomless pit, according to Luke 8.31, did serve as a place of imprisonment of demonic spirits. These demonic spirits that will be released during the tribulation. So they're going to go somewhere. I'll tell you what, what stands out to me are these different names that John under the inspiration of God, gives to the devil. He is referred to as the dragon, the serpent of old, uh, the devil, and Satan. Well, the dragon is an apt metaphor that points to the cruelty of this evil spirit being. And serpent is apparently an allusion to Satan's first appearance in the Garden of Eden where he deceived Eve. And the word devil also means adversary and slanderer. And of course, Satan carries that idea of adversary. Satan is uh, the enemy of the people of God. He is the enemy of God. And hallelujah, one day he's going to be arrested by uh, the sheriff angel that's going to put him into prison. Oh, that's going to be great. Now, from this scripture, we also see that he's going to be bound for a thousand years, but he will be released. And we're going to discuss that a little bit more uh, a little bit later in the episode here. And so at this point, Dad, we've got Satan has been dealt with. He's been removed. And at this point, Jesus will be able to set right all that the enemy has perverted and destroyed uh, throughout creation. Now, we have to remember the world that we live in today is not the world is not the way the world God created it or intended it to be, mm-hmm. right? Um, it was because the fall of man, the, the earth, the whole world has been cursed and all of humanity has been cursed um, because of, of the sin that entered in. Right. And so what you and I see around us, although, yes, there's beauty that God made, this is not exactly the way God intended it to work. That's right. And so he's going to be able to turn back those hands of time, if you will, and to reset everything into the way that he created it to be. And so we're going to have what will be a perfect world at that point in time. And that's when we're going to have that thousand year reign, the millennial reign of Christ. 
Now let's look um, over now at uh, verse uh, four here. We're going to look at verses four through six. It says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, or had not received the mark on their forehead or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who is part of the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So in these verses, uh, what exciting prospect that we have. These verses tell us that the, the raptured saints, uh, the church-age Christians, as well as those tribulation saints, are going to rule the nations with Christ. Isn't that amazing? That's exactly right. You know where it talks about where John said, I saw thrones. Now, there's two popular views of, of who is sitting on the thrones, one is that they are the 12 disciples because Luke 22.30 refers to the disciples sitting on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. The other popular view is they represent the church. And 1 Corinthians 6.2, Paul tells us that the saints will judge the world. And he also says in 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. Now, both of these views are viable, but we are going to get to reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. We that belong to the church of Jesus Christ and the tribulation saints, those that come through the tribulation that don't receive the mark of the beast, they will likewise rule. We'll rule with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly right. And Dad, can you um, help our listeners understand uh, first resurrection versus the second resurrection? That's exactly right. I'll tell you what, we want to take part in the first resurrection. That's right. Now, the first resurrection really refers to the resurrection of all the righteous, all the righteous, even though... Uh, the first resurrection, we think of it as just one resurrection. Really, there's multiple resurrections that's all wrapped up in this phrase, the first resurrection. And they happen uh, separately in time. Take, for instance, Jesus was the first notable one to be resurrected from the dead. He was the first fruits. And then afterwards follows the church. Jesus will come back in the air for his church just prior to the beginning of the tribulation. We talked about that several podcasts ago. And he will bring with him uh, those souls of those saints that have died that's already in heaven. They will return with him. And there's going to be the uh, the shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. And those bodies of those saints that are returning with Jesus that are buried, they're going to be resurrected made and created to be brand new glorious bodies like the body of Jesus, they'll go up and they'll join the souls of those departed saints in the air. And then we, if we happen to be alive, Matt, when Jesus returns in the air, and yep. I hope we are, why then we, the church on earth that's alive, will be changed. Our bodies will be changed from uh, immortal bodies to our mortal bodies to immortal bodies yep. from uh, bodies that are prone to corruption, to glorious bodies, and then we'll go up in the air to be with Jesus. Well, all of that's part of the first resurrection. Jesus' resurrection, the most notable, then the resurrection of uh, the saints when Jesus returns prior to the beginning of the tribulation. Well, at the end of the tribulation, those those 
people that live through the tribulation or live during, we'll say, the tribulation, that refuse to receive the mark of the beast, that would not serve the Antichrist and Satan, uh, they will be beheaded. There'll be a high price to pay for serving the Lord Jesus. Many, many, many of them will be beheaded. And of course, their souls uh, will go to heaven. And we, we've we read in Revelation where their souls are, are seen by John as being under the altar. Well, at the end of the tribulation, uh, these these tribulation saints you've already read, God will raise them from the dead. Well, that resurrection is part of the first resurrection of the righteous. Now, even at the end of the millennial reign, there will be people that will be living in mortal bodies that will survive the tribulation, that serve God, that were not killed, that escaped. Uh, They will repopulate the world and they'll have children. Well, eventually these people will die because they live in mortal bodies. And, and even though it's not spelled out in the Scripture, most Bible commentators believe that the, the final part of the first resurrection will be at the end of the millennial reign when those people receive their glorious bodies. And so we want to take part in the first resurrection. The first resurrection is called the resurrection of life. In John five twenty nine, the resurrection of the just in Luke fourteen fourteen, But... In addition to the first resurrection, there is a second resurrection. The second resurrection is the last resurrection, and it is appropriately called the resurrection of judgment in John 5, 29. The second resurrection or the last resurrection is an awful spectacle. All the unsaved of all time, beginning back into uh, the early years After the Garden of Eden, all saints, excuse me, all sinners of all time that rejected God, they will be uh, resurrected and they will stand before God to be judged at the great white throne judgment and then turned over into the lake of fire. Now, of course, we're going to reserve another podcast to talk about that. Exactly. There's another uh, word here that I'd like to to talk about, and you you kind of referenced it here, Dad. It it says that... um, over such, the second death has no power. Now, we all know that as humans, we're going to die. Mm-hmm. I heard a statistic one time that says one out of every one person dies, right? That's right. And and so the physical body dies, but the, the spirit, the soul, um, does not die. It, you know, it, it has a, a life beyond um, the, the shell of the, of the human body. However, we know that there is a second death, and mm-hmm. that is when God judges uh, the, the souls of man. And at that point, if, if you were found to not be within right standing with God, you will be put out from him. You will be sent off into um, eternity apart from God, and that is the second death. That's and awful. So mm-hmm. it's, it's an awful thing to think about, right, to be put out uh, of God's sight. And so the verse is telling us here that those, those saints, we don't have to worry about the second death. Why? Because we have the gift of eternal life, right? That's right. And, and that means that we are going to live forever. We don't have to worry about a second death. Yeah, this this body, this tent, as Paul called it, that I have on right now is going to die one day. Um, but I don't have to worry about the second death because my soul has been sealed uh, with the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I don't have to worry about that second death. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, folks, it's just going to be awful for people to be living for eternity. Eternity has no end in a lake of fire. And I want you to remember who your company is going to be in the lake of fire if you are cast into the lake of fire as a God rejecter. Your company is going to be the devil. Your company is going to be the Antichrist and the false prophet. 
they'll already be there. And your company, you're going to be spending eternity with them. And God does not want you to go there. That's why he sent his son Jesus uh, to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for your sin, and to be resurrected, to rescue us from the second death. That's exactly right. Well, now let's get back to talking about reigning. So we're going to reign. Uh, Saints are going to reign with Christ. And I want us to listen to what Paul said about our future appointment to rule in his letter to the Corinthians. You mentioned it just now. I'd actually want to read that to our audience. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And then if you drop down to verse 3, it says, Do you not know that we shall judge angels? Now, how about that? Like, I don't understand exactly how that's going to work, um, but right there it tells us that we clearly are going to be part of the ruling, judging class with Christ. Right. That's in God's plan. And and unfortunately, the Bible doesn't give us all the details that we need to know to really understand how that's going to work. I'd love to understand it right. and to know exactly what's going to happen. But what we can say is, is be confident in knowing from all the Scripture that we're seeing here that God's plan is that His saints are going to reign with Him and going to rule during that thousand-year period. Now, now, you may be asking yourself, okay, I'm a little confused. We've got so much happening in the series, and um, wh- wh- what is the millennial reign? What does it look like? Um, who's there? And so uh, let- let's talk about that for a little bit, Dad. So you mentioned that um, at the end of the tribulation, there are going to be people who actually live through that. Now, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of death. There's going to be a ton of death. We've talked about all the misery that was brought upon the inhabitants of the earth. We talked about the bloodshed that's going to happen during Armageddon and and just the judgment and the rain uh, of fury that God's going to pour out upon the earth. But there are going to be those people who chose to believe, who resisted the mark of the beast and did not fall down and worship the idol um, or the image of the beast, and, and they are going to make it through to the end. Okay, and they are going to be living in human bodies, just like you and I have a human body right Right. now. Mm -hmm. And so they are going to be the ones who are going to be populating and inhabiting the earth. You and I, we're going to be there uh, in a glorified body, right? And we're going to have a our glorified state, and we're going to be somehow involved in the government and the rule of this this new land, this new kingdom. Again, we don't understand exactly how it is, but. Ultimately, what's going to happen is, again, the hands of times are going to be turned back. The world's going to be put back into its original order. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have uh, just a peaceful, beautiful place to live. And the world, as you mentioned, is going to be repopulated. So I want our listeners to understand, because I asked you a couple weeks ago, I was like, I'm struggling with this. I don't understand how all the pieces come together. And thankfully, it came together this week as I was preparing right. uh, and, under, and to understand enough to be able to, to provide it to our listeners um, what's happening here. So we've got, again, believers who have made it through the tribulation. They're living in their human bodily form, and they are going to be the ones that are going to be repopulating the earth um, and uh, living through this prosperous time on earth. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what this period is going to be characterized with. You know, when I think about the world being repopulated, Think about this, the the earth and all the destruction of the tribulation. I mean, it's going to be almost uninhabitable. But when Jesus returns, you know, there's going to be uh, great, great earthquakes that's going to occur. And, you know, one of those earthquakes that's going to occur 
will actually be in the land of Israel itself because when Jesus returns riding on that white horse at the Battle of Armageddon, you know, he's going to obviously set that horse down and get off that horse and his feet is going to touch down on the Mount of Olives. That was the same mountain that Jesus ascended to heaven, the same mountain that at the bottom of that mountain was the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed before he was arrested and then hauled off for crucifixion. He is going to return to that mountain. And and when he sets foot on that mountain, there's going to be a great earthquake. You know, I was reading just the other day, because I'd heard this before, that there was a geological fault line that has been found on the Mount of Olives. And I researched it, and I come up with this. In 1964, a geological fault line was found at the current site of the Hotel of the Seven Orchards, which is on top of the Mount of Olives. And, and, and so God's already planned this thing out. And it's going to be a tremendous earthquake, and it's going to be tied in, no doubt, to other earthquakes. The whole topography of the earth is going to change. God is going to, even though the world's been destroyed with the earthquakes and all that takes place and the topography of the world changed, things are going to be different on earth uh, during the millennial reign. It's going to be more like the Garden of Eden. God's going to renovate, so to speak, like we renovate an old house, a house that's dilapidated, falling down. He's going to renovate it, so to speak, without destroying it completely. He's going to destroy the world one day, but he's going to renovate it. Now, I'll tell you what, that's going to be a a wonderful time when uh, God changes things. And, you know, we think, how in the world can the whole earth be populated, repopulated in just a thousand years? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it all started with two people in the Garden of Eden. And when people live to be a minimum of 100 years of age, and they can procreate far past uh, the age in which normal couples can procreate today. And, you know, back when my parents uh, were children, they had like nine brothers and sisters. And just imagine people during the millennial kingdom having 10, 15 kids over a period of 60 years. The world's going to be repopulated all right. And there's going to be a, a big population by the end of this millennial reign. That's exactly right. And so, uh, Dan, I, I began to just kind of write down things that I, I thought would characterize the millennial reign based off of what we see in Scripture. And the first thing that that really came to my mind was peace. You know, this is going to be a time of peace like this world has never seen. Mm-hmm. You know, and men have always dreamed of having utopia. In fact, if you listen to every um, pol- politician as they get ready to campaign, they campaign for you know a world peace and and, and where there'll be no more war and there'll, all of this stuff. And that we know that that can never happen. Hey, hey, that that was the experiment of communism. It, it failed exactly. Even every Miss uh, Miss America pageant, they always say they want world peace. Right, right. I right. Mean, it's it, it's what everyone wants. But we've proven that sinful man will never be able to to create a great society uh, that will produce this paradise on earth where there will be no war and no violence. It's just not possible. But when Christ returns and He's cast Satan into the bottomless pit. Uh, He's going to be able to establish his kingdom, and it's going to be paradise on earth. And for the first time since the dawn of creation, there will be true peace. Think about this. No wars, no violence, no murders. It's it's not going to happen. Uh, And speaking of this time, the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. Listen to this, Dad. It says, He shall judge between nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. 
And so we're going to be at a time of peace. Mm-hmm. And and it's hard to believe because uh, as far as I've been alive, there's never been a time where you, you can say that we've been at peace worldwide uh, right. since I've been on this, this earth. Hey, there you go. You're going back now in a description of the millennial to the Old Testament. That's exactly yeah. right. Uh, John mentions numerous times about the thousand-year reign, but the description of what's going to take place, boy, it's all over the Old Testament. Yep. So in addition to this, the Bible also tells us that the animal kingdom will be at peace. Um, I want you guys to take a listen at Isaiah. This is chapter 11, verse verse 6 here. It says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young ones uh, shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the winged child shall put his hand in the viper's den. Now, if that's not amazing, I don't know what is. So this is where we have what everyone thinks about the lion and the lamb laying together. Uh, We have animal kingdom is going to be turned upside down. Animals of prey will no longer be animals of prey. Carnivores will no longer be carnivores. Uh, They'll be eating uh, plants and grasses, and there'll not be enmity between uh, animals and humans. Now, I know this is what it says, but you're not going to get me near a cobra hole regardless of what it says. That just doesn't doesn't resonate with me. The entire world will be at peace, even the animal kingdom. That is, we were uh, preparing for this. I ran across a, a funny story. Uh, P.T. Barnum, you know, he was the um, the uh, uh, head guy of the Barnum and Bailey Circus. And uh, he liked to have these sideshows when he first got started. And one of the sideshows he had was called The Happy Family. And uh, what he would do is he loved to get ministers or preachers to come over and to see this, uh, this scene of happy family. And what would happen is he had trained his lions and his tigers to come in and to form a circle and to sit down. And in the middle of that circle, they would place a lamb with no aggression at all. They would the the lions and tigers would just sit there, and the lamb would just sit there, and he called it happy family. And the preachers were, of course, mesmerized, knowing that that was kind of in reference to the scripture that we're talking about today. And uh, no doubtably, one of the, the the preachers asked him. He said, "Well, I mean, do you not have any problems at all with this?" And and uh, Barnum was recorded as saying, "Well, um, other than replacing the lamb every now and then, they get it along quite well." <laughs> That's so good. so uh, even though he was able to hold it for a period of time, it sounds like that lamb didn't make it out um, all the time. Uh, But in the future, that scene, the happy family scene is going to be the case. It's going to be the case. It's going to be the case in the animal kingdom and between animal kingdom and um, humans. Hey, not only will peace prevail during the millennium, but also joy. You know, it's interesting when Isaac Watts wrote the song Joy to the World, he did not write it to be a Christmas carol. Rather, he penned it to announce the glorious second coming of Christ to rule and reign on this earth. Now think of some of the words to joy to the world. I'm going to read some of the words. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Another part of the song, no more let sins and sorrows grow. And he rules the world with truth and grace. This is a song of the millennium when full joy will finally come to the world. 
That's exactly right. In addition to that joy, the the millennial reign is going to be characterized by justice and righteousness, Dad. Um, the millennial reign, when it begins, the kingdom uh, begins, it's going to be inhabited by believers only, as we've talked about. However, these believers will be in human bodies, as we've discussed, and will have their, their old human nature, which is capable of sinning. So sin will, will be present. Um, however, Christ is going to be on the scene, and he'll be ruling, and the Bible says that he's going to rule with that a rod of iron. And so he'll be restraining and judging sin so that the prevailing atmosphere at the time is one of righteousness. Right. You know, the other thing uh, that I I see about this period of time, and and you've already, again, alluded to this, is that there's going to be no sickness or deformity. Yeah. And so I think about this. We're going to be here on earth, and the king is going to be the great physician. He's going to be the healer. And so uh, we're going to not have these ailments. And and when ailments do arise, uh, we can take those to the king, and he'll be able to take care of those for us. And so as a result, people are going to live extended lifespans. Um, And we'll probably go back to the way it was before the flood. If you were, know your Old Testament uh, history, you know that it was not uncommon for someone to live to three, four, five, six, eight hundred years old That's right. uh, during that time. And so during this thousand year period, uh, we will have extended ages of those inhabitants who are going to be there, which is going to then allow for that repopulation to occur that we've been talking about. These these people are going to be going through their daily lives. They're going to be married. They're going to have children um, and uh, going to repopulate the earth at that time. Dad, you were looking at um, a scripture in Isaiah. It talks about uh, the age that someone dies. Yeah. Isaiah 65, 20 says, No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days, for the child shall die 100 years old. Hey, during the millennial reign of Jesus, a person who dies below the age of 100 will be considered to have died prematurely. You know... Another thing uh, pertaining to, you know, this magnificent health care plan. I'm looking forward to that. When, <laughs> no no copays, right? No copays. That's right. <laughs> and no copays. But uh, here's what the Bible says, Isaiah 29, 18. In that day, talking about during the millennial reign, here's the Old Testament again. In that day, the death shall hear the words of the book. And the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. And then Isaiah 33, 24 says, And the inhabitants will not say, I am sick. You know, there's not going to be any need for doctors. How about that? I'm sorry, doctors out there, but you're doing a wonderful job now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you're going to be out of business, and so will the pharmacist uh, as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. So uh, I'll be doing something different at that point. Um, the the other thing that the millennial reign will be characterized will be prosperity. Uh, so we've got just this time of, of great prosperity uh, of where there's going to be great growth in the population, as we've talked about. The world will flourish, um, and and there will be resources will be abundant. Um, as you said, Dad, that'll be kind of like the Garden of Eden again. There will be no food shortages. There will be no uh, disruption of, of anything that we need for the inhabitants. There will be abundance for all on the earth at that time. And it'll be a great, uh, wonderful time. Again, that utopia that everyone wants, but no one seems to be able to get to. Right. Communism promised it, but it couldn't deliver. That's exactly hey, right. Hey, there won't be any need for welfare programs, Yep. social security. You know, I'm kind of looking forward to starting to draw that Social Security, but hey, I'd just soon go on to be with Jesus, you know. Yeah. And because, uh, you know, during his kingdom, be no need for Social Security. Food stamps or relief agencies, that's going to be neat. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. 
And Dad, uh, the last thing that I, I see about this time, um, and this is probably the most notable and 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 the best part, and that's going to be worshiping in His presence. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the, the again, the best part of this is Jesus is going to be here. He's going to be uh, here on the earth. He's going to be ruling and reigning as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And uh, we're going to be able to to know Him and to have a relationship with Him and a fellowship with Him like we can't have right now. That's right. And and uh, we will be able to to then uh, worship Him and worship God um, directly. And so, you know. I love going to church and and to worship. I love having worship all by myself. Sometimes I have the best church when I'm all alone. Um, that's just how I do it. But uh, uh, it's going to be a different type of worship when we get to actually look at the one who, as the song says, saved me by my grace. It's going to be a great time right. of worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's exactly right. And Jesus... He's going to be on this earth, and he is going to rule in Jerusalem. He's going to sit on the throne, and Jerusalem is going to be the center focus of the worship and religion for the entire world. There's going to be a another temple that's going to be built during the millennium. Yeah. Now, there's been uh, numerous temples uh, over in uh, the Old Testament. We, we read about the first temple that was built by King Solomon. You know, David had a desire to build a house for the Lord. Yep. You know, where people could come from all over and worship God, and and he was not able to build that, but he got the materials ready, and his son Solomon uh, built the temple. And then, of course, there was a second temple. The Babylonians came and destroyed the first temple uh, because the people of God rebelled against God and lived wickedly, and God allowed them to be punished. And and the Jews were carried off into Babylonian captivity, and so the first temple was destroyed. And and so after that 70 years of Babylonian captivity, a remnant of the Jewish people came back, and they built another temple. That was the second temple, and that temple was revamped by Herod the Great, you know, just just prior to uh, the time that Jesus uh, came. I guess it was still under construction when Jesus was on earth or still under renovation. And, of course, the the Romans under uh, the general Titus in AD 70 destroyed that temple. There's going to be a millennial temple. We talked about that in a podcast. And the thing that's going to be different about this millennial temple is that there's not going to be the Shekinah glory of God like during uh, Solomon's temple. It's going to be a temple that is going to be defiled uh, by the Antichrist when he sets up his image there. Well, that temple is going to be destroyed. And and then during the millennial reign, there's going to be a millennial temple. And as a matter of fact, uh, the people from around the world will come to Jerusalem and worship at this temple. Now, this temple is going to be an expanded temple. It's going to be far greater in size and and stretch out far, far more than Solomon's temple. And some people would look at that today and say, well, how in the world could that fit with the topography of Israel right now? Well, I told you the topography is going to be changed when at the end of the tribulation with all these earthquakes, when Jesus sets foot on the Mount of Olives. And this temple is going to be immense, and it's going to be so large 
and have such space to allow the inhabitants of the world and pilgrimages to come and worship God. Now, Matt, could you tell us something about the the worship that's going to go on in that temple? What are they going to do in regard to worship? Well, Dad, that worship is going to come back in the form of animal sacrifices. And and, and if you've read your new your Old Testament, you know that that's very prevalent. Um, that that was the the way that. Uh, worship was done at that time. In the Old Testament, though, uh, animal sacrifices was done also for the remission of sins. Right. But that's what's that's not what's going to be needed in this point. Uh, this is going to be done in, in an act of reverence and an act of remembrance of what God has done for us. So you were talking before we got started about how this relates to communion. Share that with the listeners. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, we don't offer sacrifices today for the remission of our sins because, as we all know, Jesus was the final and supreme sacrifice. All lambs laid on Levitical altars pointed to him, the supreme sacrifice, who would offer up himself to pay the penalty for the sins of man. And and those of us that receive him, uh, accept his sacrifice, our sins are washed away. We don't need to offer lambs to be forgiven today. But as Christians, we have what we call communion, the Lord's Supper, some churches call it. We refer to it in the Baptist church as Lord's Supper, where we partake of bread, which reminds us of the body of Jesus that was broken, uh, the juice that reminds us of his blood that was poured out. We do that in remembrance. Now, uh, during the millennial reign of Christ, people will come and offer sacrifices as a way, certainly, of remembering the great and supreme sacrifice of Jesus. And, and of course, there's going to be sinners during that time because there's going to be people inhabiting the world in earthly bodies. And, of course, when they bring and offer that sacrifice to see the awfulness of that sacrifice, they will be reminded of the awfulness of their sin and what Jesus had to do to pay the penalty for our sins. And, you know, it's going to be a mandatory thing that people uh, come and worship and offer sacrifices. Uh, the, it's going to be mandatory. In other words, if you don't do it during the the millennial reign of Christ, it, you're going to be greatly sinning. And uh, yeah. and I, I guess if any of us serves as sheriff's deputies, we're going to go get them you know, <laughs> That's exactly and right. arrest and them. You know. That's that ruling with an iron rod right. that we talked about there. And so, um, yes, we're going to worship in the presence of Jesus Christ. And and again, if you can think about the best worship service you've ever been to, um, I would argue that uh, worshiping in the presence of Christ is going to be so much better. Um, you can't even put it into words of, of what that's going to be. And so, uh, Dad, this millennial rain is going to be great. Uh, I wish we we had more details and could explain more about this time. It's going to be an amazing time in, in, uh, in, in history, um, but that's not where the story ends. Uh, it's not just uh, peaceful, and, and that's the way that we continue on. There, there's a, a twist at the end right. of this thousand years that we want to talk about here, and so uh, we're going to move on to our, our next section that we're going to talk about, and that is the return of Satan and the revolt of society. Now, we're going to go back to our our text here that we started with. So this is going back to Revelation chapter 20. And we're going to pick up at verse 7 here, and we're going to read and see what happens here at the end of that thousand-year reign. So it says, verse 7, Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison, and he will go out and he will deceive uh, the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number 
is as the sands of the seas. Now, uh, we're going to stop right there and talk a little bit about this. So we see that Satan is going to be released from his prison. He's going to be let out of his jail cell. And mm-hmm. when Satan is released out of his jail cell, um, I, I'm, I feel confident, Dad, that he knows he doesn't have uh, much time left. That's and exactly so he's right. going to come back with a vengeance and with a, a more uh, determination than ever to try and take down Christ. And so he's going to go back to his own his old tricks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know that the devil's a liar. I like to say the devil always has been a liar. He is a liar, and he always will be a liar. The father of lies. Father of lies, right? And so he's going to go back to his line, and he's going to go out, and he's going to deceive the nations, and he's going to amass an army, um, a, a group of people who are going to be willing to turn against Christ. Now, when I was trying to study this, I was trying to wrap my brain around it and understand what was happening, because we said that the millennial period was... Uh, started by everyone who was a believer, and um, but then they repopulated the earth. And I think you you referenced it just earlier in the podcast, Dad, where you said that just because you have a Christian family or a Christian start, that doesn't mean that uh, the entire lineage of that family is going to, to remain in Christ. Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, being a pastor for many, many years, now 61, been in the ministry since I was 19, even starting out as youth minister. I've known a lot of Christian families. They might have two or three kids. Let's say they have three kids. Two of their kids, uh, they they follow the example of their parents. They love Jesus. They serve Jesus. They're born-again children to God. But then sometimes they'll have that rebel in their family, Yep, that rebel in the family. And perhaps some of you that are listening to the podcast, you've got a rebel in your family. You know, you did your best. You, you raised them to know God and serve God. You took them to church and put them in an atmosphere where they could learn about God. But regardless of all that you did and the example you set, they still turned against God. Well, they, they have that sin nature, and, and, and we have to choose for ourselves. We're going to uh, bow down and serve the Lord Jesus or follow that sin nature. That's exactly right. It's the sin nature. Remember that all of these inhabitants, they still have their earthly body. They still have that old sin nature that came from Adam, um, and so they're capable of sinning. And so the, the, the thought here is that they're going to be a massive number of people who actually are holding resentment against Christ. Right. They may go through the motions. They may uh, do the sacrifices because they know if they don't, they're going to get in trouble or going to have some type of judgment come against them. But the whole time, they're just going through the motions with resentment in their heart against Christ. And so when Satan comes on the scene, it's not going to take him you know, very much persuading to get these people to turn against Christ and to ultimately uh, go after Christ and, his, and Christ's people. That's right. Let's read on to verse uh, 9 here in uh, chapter 20. It says, They went up on uh, the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. And fire came down from God uh, of, out of heaven and devoured them. And so, um, as I said here, these this army that's going to be as, as, as massive as the sea, um, they're going to all coalesce together. And where are they going to go? Same place that, that Satan's been trying to destroy right. uh, through the tribulation. He's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to go to the Holy City. He's going to try and surround the, God's chosen people and to uh, destroy them. But God is going to have the final say here. Right. right. And so uh, fire from heaven is going to rain down on the earth and is going to destroy uh, these armies that have come against God and his chosen people. You know, I often think about this final battle is Armageddon too. Yeah. You know, we've talked about Armageddon uh, in the last podcast, you know, when the armies of the world under the leadership of the Antichrist and the kings of the East, they they come together, you know, to fight each other. But but 
out of their animosity towards Jesus and out of their, out of their animosity towards uh, the chosen people, the Jews, they also come to destroy them and, and to fight against Christ. And God destroys them. That's, that's the real Armageddon, even though it's not referred to as Armageddon 2. Every great movie's got a sequel. That's and, exactly right. And, and, uh, and, and here we find out this is like Armageddon 2. This is going to be the very last and final battle. That's exactly right. This is going to be the, the final uh, chess move, if you will, for Satan. And uh, God is going to come in and, and he's going to checkmate Satan and uh, rain down that fire from heaven and, and completely take uh, him and, and his uh, evil uh, army out. I want us to look at verse 10 here, and we're going to see what actually happens to the devil uh, or Satan at this point. It says, verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And listen carefully to this. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay. Yeah. Now you would think, um, okay, the Antichrist and the false prophet and Satan himself—that's the exact punishment they deserve, and that they're going to be tormented uh, day and night forever and ever. But I want everyone to remember that place where they're at, uh, the Lake of Fire, is also uh, the destination for many who choose, uh, or for all who choose, not to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And so that same fate of being tormented day in and day uh, day in and day out. Uh, day and night is also um, a potential for those who are a part of that second death that we talked about earlier in the podcast. And so we we definitely don't want anyone to to have to suffer uh, that second death and ultimately that torment. That's exactly right. Well, this pretty much brings us to the end of our podcast because we've got a lot more to add to this. You got some more things to say right now? Yeah, just uh, one, one couple of thoughts uh, as we get ready to close here. And and um, you may be asking yourself, so why? why? Why the millennial reign? Why do... Why did we we have this? And, you know, ultimately, we don't know exactly why God planned this the way that he did. But um, just understanding the scripture and and looking at it, I picked out kind of three things that make sense as to why there would be a millennial reign. And so the first one that I saw was, well, there was the promise fulfillment to Israel. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Remember, uh, if you you know your Bible, uh, the promise uh, about Israel came all the way back in the Old Testament, all the way back there at Abraham. That's right. uh, Where he was promised that he would be the father of a great nation. And then that promise went on and and David was promised that he would be a ruler of a great nation and he would be, um, you know, over this this um, nation. And ultimately, we've seen uh, those prophecies fulfilled in part as Jesus Christ came and, and paid the penalty for our sin. But the full fulfillment of the, this promise to the nation of Israel happens in the millennial reign when the Jewish nation is restored. They're given their homeland. Um, they're given that massive uh, tract of land that, that we were referring to, um, and that is going to be part of that promise being fulfilled. The second thing that I saw is the millennial reign is it rewards the saints, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we, we've read through Revelation. We talked about uh, the voice of the martyrs, right? They, they called out, how, how long? Do we have right. to have to to sit here and just see all this evilness happen? When will when will there be repayment? And obviously, Jesus is the one that enacted that judgment. Um, but all of us have suffered persecution and, and have been oppressed by those who are non-believers. And this is uh, uh, God's opportunity to reward us for our faithfulness. Right. Um, and and we're going to be there reigning with Him right. uh, in this process. And so I see that as a as a reason. And then the third reason, and it's probably the most important reason. And I think it's also the most scary reason, and that is to reaffirm the total depravity of man. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, um, we, we talked about it, um, that 
we started with a group of believers, and then those believers uh, repopulated the earth. And so obviously over a thousand years, there are multiple generations uh, there. And at some point, with even the absence of Satan, right, because he's, mm-hmm. he's locked up in the, the bottomless pit, humans still found a way to, to reject God. Right. And that's because we have that old human nature, that we have that old sinful nature that came from Adam. Mm-hmm. And so this was, uh, to me, God's final example to show that uh, we as humans uh, cannot meet God's standards, even when we're given the most perfect environment, right? Right. We were given the millennial reign, a perfect environment. Everything was provided to us. It was started with a Christian foundation, yet our human nature still ended up getting us in a situation where we were at enmity with God. That's exactly right. You know, Ron Rhodes, I like some of the things that he writes, and he uh, specified that the reason that Satan will be loosed from the bottomless pit and be uh, released on the earth to deceive the nations is this. He said, God's purpose seems to be to prove once and for all that the heart of every human being is desperately wicked. Even in the best environments like Christ's kingdom, the fallen human heart still has a great propensity to sin. Yep. Great and, and and that same propensity that we're seeing there played out here in the millennial reign is the same propensity that, that I have and that you have, mm-hmm. Dad, and, and that all of our listeners have. We all have that sinful nature, um, and we all were born with it. It came again from the curse of Adam, and it's been there, and it's it's there. And there is nothing that we can do in and of ourselves that will overcome that. Right. There's not enough good deeds that we can do. There's not enough self-help things that we can do to try and overcome it. The only thing that's going to overcome that is the grace that's given from God when he sent his son to the cross and shed his blood for the remission of our sins. And so, you know, we're talking about the end times, but I don't want to to waste a moment and give people an opportunity to think about their current status. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about people in the future in this millennial reign, but right here and now we've got people with a sinful nature. Mm -hmm. You and I are sinners, uh, but we've been covered by grace. And I can't help but think that there's probably some listeners out there who um, haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They haven't taken advantage of the free gift of salvation through grace in Jesus Christ. And so I just want to encourage all of them today that if you're listening and if you haven't made that decision, I would encourage you uh, to make that decision today. Uh, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. The devil's going to be a liar. As we talked about, he's going to say, hey, you don't need to do it right now. You need to, to wait a little bit. You need to get some things in order. You need to clean yourself up. Right. Um, but today is the day of salvation. If you feel that God's knocking on the door of your heart and calling you to say, hey, what these uh, bunch of country guys here in Emmons, South Carolina are, are saying resonates with me and it makes sense, mm-hmm. I'd ask you today to, to just take this moment and to ask Jesus to come into your heart. Right. Dad, as we get ready to close and you pray us out of here, will you... Uh, lead a prayer and pray for these uh, people that are listening that they may make a decision for Christ. Right. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, as we come before you today in Jesus' name, uh, thank you, Lord, that uh, Matt and myself, others that we know of that love Jesus, we're going to be spared from the tribulation time to come, from hell for eternity. Uh, Lord, we have the gift of eternal life, all as a result of us looking up in faith accepting what Jesus did on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins and and asking him who's alive today through his spirit to come live in us and change us and serve him as Lord. And we want to serve him as Lord. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we've made that decision. But Lord, we know that there are many perhaps out in this podcast audience that have not yet uh, come to deal with the fact of their sin, their, their rebellion in their heart. 
and uh, they have uh, broken the commandments. Uh, they have lied. They have stolen things. They have cheated. They have committed adultery. They've looked at, at the opposite sex with the intent to lust. They have committed murder in the fact that they've harbored anger and enmity in their heart towards other people. Lord, they're, they've broken the commandments. They're guilty of sin as we all are. The Bible says all of sin. They're guilty. And our Heavenly Father, I pray that you just bring it to their mind that certainly you're going to judge us, Lord. And if you were to judge us, and we know you will, by the basis of the Ten Commandments and by the basis of whether or not we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, they're going to spend eternity apart from you in hell. God, you don't want them to go to hell. You want them to go to heaven. The Bible clearly tells us, as we look at the next podcast, that you created hell for the devil and his angels. I don't want anybody listening to us, Lord, to go to hell. Uh, they choose to go to hell. Lord, you choose for them to go to heaven, but they have to receive you. So I pray that for the lost today that's under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, they'll look up, they'll ask you to forgive them of their sin, they'll turn away from their sin out of gratitude for what you did for them, receive you as Lord, and ask you to live in their life, change them. You will. You'll make a new creature out of them, dear God. And I pray that uh, those that make a decision like this, Lord, oh. We know you called us to plant the seeds of the gospel, but Lord, we just, we'd love uh, to hear about those that have been harvested, that have come into the kingdom, that uh, heard the word through this podcast, and, and perhaps, Lord, they've heard the word before. We just come along to help and, and to water that seed that somebody else has planted. But God, if someone gave their heart to Jesus, we'd like to hear from them so that we can know, God, how you're working, and we can even give you extra glory and rejoice in uh, what you're doing. We already know, God, we, we're trusting you that one day in heaven we'll, we'll bump into somebody that will tell us, I give my heart to Jesus by listening to the Bonfire podcast. And, and uh, God used you to help me. That's what we're all about. Not to get glory ourselves, but to God to get the glory that we might be able to introduce people to Jesus when we stand before him. We ask all this in Jesus' name. We will love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.